Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Here's what's cooking on the day's Sports Stove Podcast. We continue our college football preview with the ACC. We'll also cover Notre Dame. Uh, and depending on time, we'll talk about golf, NFL, and Major League Baseball routes. That's what's cooking on the day's Sports Stove Podcast. From Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network, you're listening to the Sports Stove Podcast with your host, Vince Stover. Welcome in to today's Sports Stove Podcast, presented by In The Clutch. Go to intheclutch.com. You're going to find yourself officially licensed apparel for Major League Baseball, MLB, PA, NFL, NHL, and so much more. Again, go to intheclutch.com to find your perfect t-shirt, and then use the code SPORTSSTOVE. You'll get 10% off your first purchase. Intheclutch.com, use the code SPORTSSTOVE for 10% off your purchase. Welcome into the program as we continue our college football preview with the ACC. And, of course, we'll also cover Notre Dame, even though they're a non-conference team. Uh, Welcome back to the show, my dad, Dale Stover. Dad, how you doing? Doing good. Always great to be here on the Sports Stove podcast. So, And I'd like to encourage our listeners to check out the local hour sometime. I do not live in the Richmond area, but I've been listening to it. And very, very interesting. I think any sports fan uh, would enjoy it. Well, thank you. Uh, Yeah, we try really hard on that. Well, we try it in every episode, but on that local hour episode, uh, breaking down football season. We talked with uh, position coaches and players uh, right now, we're going to be talking with the offensive coordinator and running backs coach this week, as well as one of the running backs from EKU. Um, I spent it actually to spend this afternoon with the basketball team. Uh, the men are practicing. They're going to be headed to the Bahamas next week. And uh, so they've been getting some practices in. Got to go down and watch and hang out, chat with Coach A.W. Hamilton down there as well. And uh, enjoying that time uh, there. Wearing my EKU shirt today, maroon platoon shirt. So uh, doing our best to support the university, even though there's been some questionable things here recently in this fall program. We'll cover that more in episodes to come uh, down the road. Uh, Dad, we are basically there now, right? I mean, we're talking about, I think, August 1st, most mini camps open for college football teams um, where it gets uh, gets back to the nitty-gritty and kind of final prep work going into the season. And uh, so college football is fast approaching. Has there been anything that's happened I don't know, over the last couple of weeks that have kind of turned your attention to college football or anything that stuck out to you, anything like that? Well, you know, of course, had the SEC media days, and that always provides a lot of excitement. So, um, and, um, you know, gets heading in that direction once it gets there and everybody talking about things. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, and there's been a lot of talk about 
uh, in the offseason, hear about the NIL stuff and, of course, transfer portal and all that. But it's getting ready to take shape now. We still hear a lot about recruiting coming up here in the next class. And uh, but like I said, it all starts for real here with practice and heading toward the opening games and probably more emphasis just on the football. Yeah, the, there was a report came out this week of 18 violations against the Tennessee ball program. Uh, it's all under the former coach, Jeremy Pruitt. We know there were issues. We knew there were issues with him anyhow, but the investigation came out now. 18 level one alleged rule violations, uh, which is the the most serious level of things. Uh, money being handed to players and to families. Um, again, all under coach Jeremy Pruitt's time there as well. It's saying that uh, this is according to uh, Mark Schlaubach and Chris Lowe of ESPN uh, says that uh, Pruitt is accused of providing about $9,000 to the mothers of two prospects. Um, his wife is accused of making 25 cash payments, totaling about $12,500 to help a prospect's mother make her car payment. Um, that, you know, that's not good. Uh, that's pretty clearly against the rules. <laughs> Um, when you come down to this kind of stuff, though, I mean, you're talking about a former coach who's no longer with the program. They fired him um, under speculation of allegations or under speculation of rule violations and things as well. What should the NCAA do when you're talking about this? Because, I mean, the, the current staff, uh, coaching staff, had nothing to do with this. So, so what, what, what should the NCAA do? Well, I, I wouldn't think they would need to do a lot of real serious stuff just because it did happen under a, another coach. And um, Tennessee's had a new coach now, and I'm sure they've kept an eye on the program. And if it looks like, you know, it's turned in the right direction as far as the NCAA rules and this coaching staff following the rules, then um, I, I don't think these these players should be penalized uh, greatly for that, especially if it was stuff done by the coaching staff. There obviously will be some things done to the university because the university does need to, they're ultimately responsible for monitoring the coach and the situation. Um, but I, I would like to hope um, that it wouldn't be too serious on Tennessee in this situation. Yeah, Pruitt is, I believe, currently a defensive assistant in the NFL with the Giants. So nothing's really going to happen to him right now. I guess if he wanted to come back into college, there could be an effect as a result of these violations and things like that. I just think that we've kind of gotten – I know the schools lose um, uh, scholarships and different things like that. I, I mean, at some point, if the current coach – the coach that had the violations isn't there anymore, I just think it's just, I don't know, not right, I guess, to punish the school – uh, the current head coach, if he was not guilty of anything as well. So, or the players, even if they were, if all those players are no longer there, those kinds of things to me, that just, that, that kind of stands as a, as a, something that should be passed over. And, and I don't know what you can do. Can you find the school? And I don't know. Uh, that's, that's a tough situation I think to be in. Uh, but today we're talking about a conference that never cheats. Uh, <laughs> the ACC, um, uh, they never cheat in football, at least. Uh, but nonetheless, we know North Carolina doesn't attend classes. Um, we know Duke pays its players before the NIL. So uh, those kinds of things in basketball, but not football. Football, everybody's clean. Dabo Sweeney 
is the model citizen. So we know nothing bad uh, or illegal has ever happened uh, there. Let's get into our ACC preview. We'll start with the Atlantic Division and Clemson. We'll start with them first. They missed the playoffs for the first time, Dan, since 2014. The playoffs. They missed the playoffs for the first time since 2014, which means they were a top four team in all those seasons. Uh, and and uh, that's crazy. They bring back a DJ Ulagalele. Um, I'm sure I said that wrong. They lose their offensive coordinator and their defensive coordinator. Tony Elliott goes to Virginia. We'll talk about him in a minute. Uh, and then, of course, in Oklahoma, the defensive coordinator heads. Um, they return a pretty solid defensive unit, so they should be fine defensively. The big question is quarterback. DJ had high expectations last year. And he just did not perform. Now, they got another young quarterback that they could replace him with if he struggles. But I really think that DJ is going to come out and play really good football this year. That's what my expectation is uh, there, at least. Uh, Clemson comes in uh, highest win total in the ACC. Their number is 10 and a half. Uh, Give me your thoughts on Clemson and what do you think they're going to do this year? Well, I, I think Clemson will rebound. I don't believe there will be any doubt um, about that. And um, it will be interesting because, again, I think Dabo Sweeney is a good coach, but losing both his coordinators, <coughs> and he's been a guy that's been able to keep his staff with him for quite a while. Um, but, again, I, I think, you know, as you have a staff that's good, they are going to make moves into head coaching. And um, – I would think, like you said, the quarterback's important. I did read a little bit, and the young quarterback they got has great potential. Um, hopefully the the guy that was there last year can rebound and do really well. But if not, I think they've got people in place. Um, you know, they weren't the top recruiting class, but Clemson always recruits well. And they've recruited well the last few years, so I'm sure they have a lot of sophomores and juniors um, there that are, you know, in good shape. So I would think, again, I don't think it's a super strong football conference. So I think Clemson should be back at the top of of the conference. Over 10 and a half? Um, Yes, I think so. I think they could win 11 games, if not 10 10 or 11 right in there. Yeah. I I go over. They they promoted within coordinators, so they didn't bring anybody from the outside. I think sometimes when you're as good as they've been for so long with those same coordinators, I think shaking it up sometimes is a good thing. And they didn't have to shake it up uh, other than the fact that they got other jobs. They weren't firing people or anything like that. Um, it all lies on the quarterback situation at Clemson. I think, like I said, uh, even throw me in in the, the category of DJ for Heisman, uh, Dark Horse Heisman candidate. I think he comes out and has a great year. I think Clemson comes back. Again, relatively easy schedule when you're talking about the conference. NC State's better. Wake Forest is fine. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, the ACC isn't a strong, strong conference. And I think Clemson is clearly at the top. I've got them over 10 and a half as well. And I think that their biggest game on the schedule, the most important game on the schedule, you could argue is NC State. But I think it's Notre Dame. I think they got to win that game. Uh, to make it a, a year worth worth remembering, right? So um, that's the game I've got to, down as the game to watch for Clemson. How about yourself? Um, I have the NC State game. I think I agree with you a lot about Notre Dame, but NC State is the team 
um, that is making a move in the conference and is pushing. And that's one that I think Clemson, you know, to dominate in the conference, that's a game they need to win. Yeah, the way I look at it with that is I think, and I guess I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but I think the Clemson game is the most important North Carolina State game. I don't think NC State's quite there yet um, for Notre for Clemson to have to worry about them that much. I mean, they're going to have to beat them. There's no doubt about it. But I just don't think that game is as crucial. I guess I see that as more of a give me win for Clemson than I do Notre Dame. Even though we'll talk about Notre Dame later, Notre Dame's not as good as they've been in the past either. So um, I I don't know. I guess either way, they do have to win the NC State game, and there's no doubt about it. Um, let's move to NC State. Uh, they have high expectations. Nine and three last year, returning their quarterback, Devin Leary, who threw for 35 touchdowns and only five interceptions last year. They have a solid defense. The area of need for them is the run game. They've got to get better running the football uh, to have a chance to uh, overtake Clemson as the best team in the conference. And I know Clemson didn't win the ACC last year. Uh, we'll talk about Wake Forest in a minute. But I think that NC State is is the team that is closest to Clemson right now in the ACC. Uh, their win total is low. I got it at eight and a half. I was a little surprised by that. I clearly took the over on that one. What are your thoughts on NC State? Yeah, I would agree. I took the over on that one. I think they'll do much better. And again, I don't think they'll necessarily win the conference, but I think they are improved. And I think they can be one of the teams. And I think teams that play them, um, again, they may not surprise people this year, but it's a team you got to be ready for. Yeah, I like NC State this year. Um, again, I still think Clemson's the better team, but uh, I really like NC State this year. Uh, their game, I've got Clemson as their game, the game they've got to win. If they win Clemson, they probably win, win uh, the ACC. Uh, your big game for NC State? Yeah, it would be Clemson also. It's the one they need to win if they're going to win the conference and do something there. All right, that brings us to the division champs last year, Wake Forest. They put up 41 points per game. That's pretty solid, (laughs) needless to say. The defense has to get better. They gave up 195.6 rushing yards per game last year, almost 200 yards per game rushing. That's a problem. you got to stop that. They do bring in a new defensive coordinator to try to help with that. They were a surprise team last year. They've got a good offense. Their number as well is at eight and a half. Your thoughts on Wake Forest? Well, I think, um, you know, to me, I'm glad to see them doing well. Anytime you get a team that's been down for a while, and like I said, they have, um, uh, you know, they had a lot of talent, and hopefully they can keep things going where they'll be respectable there in the conference. They're probably in the middle of the pack with four or five teams that could go either way, depending on certain games uh, that they win. But um, I would think eight wins would be good for them. Um, and so eight and a half, I guess I'll go under, but I think they'll have a good season. Yeah, I went under also. I'm not I'm not all in on Wake Forest. Even though they won the division last year, this is a team that I don't trust. Um, and so I went under eight and a half. Eight I, would not surprise me. Nine wouldn't surprise me. Uh, but if I'm guessing, I'm going to go under eight and a half. And I've got their big game as NC State. Uh, Clemson obviously would be a big game for them to win. But I think that that NC State game is is a little bit closer to the vest there. And if they could beat NC State, then I think they'd be looking at nine wins. 
If they can't beat NC State, then I think they're looking at eight or maybe even seven wins. So I go NC State as the big game there. The big game I had for them was Florida State. I think that's one of those where they're close to, and uh, if they're going to have a good year, they need to beat Florida State. If they lose to them and then lose to some of the top teams, it's going to be tougher. So I think that's a good measuring stick for them. Are they for real for several years? Because uh, Florida State's obviously trying to get back too. I like it. Uh, that brings us to Florida State. Uh, Norvell is in year three as the head coach down there in, in uh, for the Seminoles in Tallahassee. And he's got quarterback Jordan Travis that is back. He has made subtle improvements uh, over the last year, but he needs to make a big jump this year. This team is a rebuilding defense as well. There's a lot of um, a lot of nostalgia at Florida State, not a whole lot of recent success. Jimbo Fisher was there not too horribly long ago, but at the end of the day, this Florida State uh, uh, program has really struggled as of late. I like Norvell. I think they're headed the right direction. Uh, their win total is at seven wins this year. Uh, what do you think about Florida State? Um, I think seven wins. If they can get seven wins, they'll be doing well. Uh, again, I'd like to see them head in the right direction and a couple upsets, and they'll be above that. So I, I think seven wins. So does that put me under on them? Your push, uh, even with them. So uh, Florida State, I, got, I went over seven. I think eight and even nine wins is a possibility for this team. Uh, I kind of have high expectations for Florida State, and some of that is my negativeness of Wake Forest because um, Boston College, eh, uh, Louisville, eh, Syracuse, eh. So, um, so yeah, I've, I've got them going over seven games. But I've got their big game, uh, important game at least, being outside of the conference in their matchup against LSU. We've talked about LSU last week in our SEC preview. I think this is the kind of year where teams like Florida State should beat LSU. It won't be too long, and LSU, I think, will be back towards the top of the SEC. So that's a game that I've got Florida State needing to win as a big game for them this season. What about you, the big matchup for Florida State? Yeah, I would agree, of course. The last game with Florida is always a big game, but I had LSU as the game to watch also. Um, if they can beat an SEC school like that, and um, you know, if they can win that one, then that would be that would be big. I think that's a I, I think that's a big one for them, no doubt about it. So, and it's on the road at LSU. So if they could go into LSU, that would be big. Uh, now number, let's see here. One, two, three, four, five here in the Atlantic division, Boston college, big thing for them as a healthy quarterback and Phil Djokovic. Uh, he is, uh, was injured last year, which really put a damper on what they were hoping to do. They have good skill players, decent running backs, decent receivers, and they have some optimism on defense uh, as well with the returning unit that they have. This team is at six for their win total. Do you go, over under six, and what do you think about Boston College? Um, again, I, I think probably looking, I would have to go under, but they make him win six and get in a bowl. I was kind of big on them last year, and they disappointed. I've kind of always liked them. There's some you know good players that have gone on to some pro teams, some um, players there I like, but um, I, I think Boston College again, they're they're right there with four or five other teams in the conference. And I'm afraid they're going to come out on the short end with some of those teams. All right. So I go the other way. I go over. Uh, I think six is probably the number that I like the most. But uh, I'll go over and say they get to seven. 
uh, as well. I've got their big game is against Florida State. It's on the road against Florida State. And again, that's the kind of game that can kind of push you over the top. Uh, if you're in that middle level, you got to beat the other teams in the middle level. And I think Florida State, although I think they'll be better than that this year, that's a big game that Boston College has to have circled on their calendar to win this season. Uh, who's the big game for you? Yeah, Florida State was the one I had too. If they're going to have a good year, then that'd be a team to upset. Uh, Florida State, you know, is going to give them a lot of trouble. And um, I think the Florida State game is a big one. That brings us to Louisville. Uh, Louisville, sorry, Louisville. Uh, <laughs> the Cardinals. Um, Satterfield has been there now for a while. This is really his last chance, I think. Back to back losing seasons. They have a veteran quarterback in Malik Cunningham. A lot of people really like Cunningham. I think Cunningham is fine. I don't think he's going to be a great pro quarterback. Uh, the defense needs massive improvement uh, to build on as well. Uh, Louisville, man, what a program. They have, they have not been uh, consistently up for a while. Had a lot of off-the-field issues as well. Their win total is set at six. Where do you go with Louisville? Um, I think um... – I think I'll go under on them. Um, you know, they may they may win close to six games if they can, um, you know, win one of the real close games that they could play there. But I think I'd have to go under on them. I might be biased with Louisville uh, or, uh, you know, biased against them. But Malik Cunningham is a guy that had high expectations. I even heard his name mentioned in the preseason Heisman conversation last year. He's been around for a while. So when you're talking about college football, usually an experienced quarterback is a good thing. And again, I think Cunningham's fine, but I just don't have any confidence in them. I went under six as well uh, for this Louisville team. What about uh, their big game? Big game of the year, I think, is Virginia. If they're going to do better, that's the kind of team they have to beat, and it'll be on the road. And um, if they lose that one, then I think you know they're, they're going to have a tough year. If they win that one, um, then, you know, on the road, that might give them some confidence. But they've got some tough games in the conference. Yeah. If they're going to make it to six wins, they have to beat Kentucky. So that's the game that I picked uh, for them. I think Kentucky is better than Louisville, even though I'm down on Kentucky this year as well. I just uh, – to me, that's the game that could put them over that six-win mark uh, there. Uh, last one in the Atlantic is Syracuse. Their head coach – has won two or less conference games in five of his six years as the head coach. So take that in for a second. Two or more, or two or less ACC victories in five of his last six years, five of his six years there. They have a great running back in Sean Tucker, but let's face it, a great running back can only do so much if he doesn't have a great line or a quarterback that can spread the ball around to take some pressure off of him. Um, they had a horrible pass defense last year. Their win total is set at four. I'm going under the four and very down on Syracuse this year. What about you? Yeah, I would go under the four on that also. And, um, yeah, I don't see where they're making a move out of where they need to be. Um, if they were going to, I think their big game would be the for one of the first ones with, um, Louisville. Hmm. I picked the Virginia game. Uh, I really like Virginia this year, and we'll get to them here in a little bit. 
But that's the kind of game I don't know. I don't know why. There's you pick a number. Pretty much any game on the Syracuse schedule is a big game for them because they need they need to win whatever they can. Uh, but I, I took Virginia. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not uh, like passionate about that about that picking their schedule. Uh, okay, so Clemson. We both have Clemson winning the division, or do you think NC State pushes them? I think Clemson wins the division. Okay. Uh, let's go to the other division then in the ACC. That's the Coastal Division. Let's start with Miami. Uh, new head coach, Mario Cristobal, comes over from Oregon. Uh, they should have a great off offense. Uh, they have a really good offseason with transfer portals and things like that. Quarterback Tyler Van Dyke is a good quarterback. They do have some wide receiver questions. Um, over time, they'll be able to, to solve that. I'm not sure where they'll be to start the season. And the defense does need help, again, given time, a transfer portal and recruiting. They'll fix it. Will they fix it this year is the question. Their win total is at eight and a half. What do you have for Mario Cristobal and the Miami Hurricanes? I've got them over. I think they can win nine. They've got some games that they need to win that are at home. And, um, uh, you know, a couple big games on the schedule, but I got them over. I like these high offense coaches. Um, that have changed jobs. So the USC we'll talk about in future episode, uh, and Miami. I think a lot of good can come, especially in the first year in a new system and, and kind of taking the, the conference by storm. I go over with Miami as well. Um, their big game, I picked Florida State. Uh, in, in the state, again, Florida State I think is on the rise. Uh, so that's the game that I picked. I, I think that one's an important one for Miami. Um. I, the game I have is the Texas A&M game. I think that's big. Um, again, if they were going to have a special season, then all of a sudden things would really turn around. That's early in the year, give a lot of confidence. Uh, and if they get you know really beat bad by Texas A&M, that could have a negative effect too. So I think that A&M game is a big game. Yeah, I the way I look at it, Miami, I don't see them as national contenders yet. And so the way I look at the out-of-conference games is you can lose those as long as you win your conference games. So that's why I went in-conference versus out-of-conference with that team. But I see what you're saying as well. Uh, let's move on to Pitt. They lose their quarterback to the NFL and pick it. They return all five of their offensive linemen, starting offensive linemen from last year. They've got good running backs. They bring in Kevin Slovis, quarterback uh, transfer. Uh, so they, they're hoping that he'll come in and be good. They have a kind of tough non-conference schedule uh, this year as well. They're also at eight and a half wins. And I, I'm worried about Pitt because I think when you lose your first round quarterback to the NFL and you're not a Georgia or Alabama, who's not statistically known for having great quarterbacks necessarily, um, I question, can you replace them in, in one season? And they're going to transfer. I'm not sure that I'm sold on Slovis. What are your thoughts on Pitt? Um, I think that eight and a half, I'll go under on them. You know, again, they had a good year and they may be improving, but looking at their schedule, they've got a lot of tough games and, um, I'm going to go under eight and a half. Like I said, they lost their quarterback, um, you know, and um, I, that's where I'll go on them. And their big game, I think will be Miami. Um, if they were going to make them, you know, if they're going to have a really big year, then that, that'd be a big game for both those teams, a turning point, I think. 100% with you. Miami, for sure, is a massive game for them. I went over with Pitt, and I'm sitting here looking at it right now going, why? Why did I go over <laughs> with Pitt? 
I'm not sure. I'll stick with it. Um, nine wins is doable. So I'll stick with the over. But Pitt, Pitt would scare me this year. Um, if I was a Pitt fan, I'd probably be a little concerned. Uh, that brings us to North Carolina. You talk about disappointments in 2021. North Carolina was that for sure. Sam Howell did not perform like they were hoping he would. Uh, but they do have a quarterback battle this year, trying to figure out who's going to be their quarterback. This North Carolina program had two really good recruiting years leading up to this season, and now it's the time for it to pay off. Uh, Mac Brown's done a very good job since he's been back and, uh, and, and building this program. So I think the recruiting is going to pay off this year. Their defense gave up 32.1 points per game, over six yards per play last year. Um, what will they do? And I don't know. I don't know what success is for North Carolina this year. Their win total set at seven and a half. Your thoughts on them? Um, well, again, when you look at their schedule, I think I think they can win seven games, but I'll go under the seven and a half. Um, you know, they have bounced back a little bit, but I think with the schedule, and again, they're one of those teams. I'd look at, you know, four or five teams in the conference that are all going to be about the same. And I just don't know with the other tough games on their schedule, um, you know, if they're going to really be competing for the conference or the division there. Yeah. Who's their big game, do you think? Uh, Notre Dame. Um, that'll be a game where they'll get a lot of publicity. And if they were going to win that one, that would be big. It'll be big for Notre Dame. And um, I think for the program and for the year, that's that's a big one. I would say it is. I picked Pitt, uh, their game against Pitt. I think if they get over seven and a half, they have to beat Pitt. And I went under seven and a half with North Carolina. I think that seven or eight wins makes sense for them this year. But I went ahead and went under uh, there with North Carolina. Uh, let's talk Virginia Tech. Uh, one of uh, three teams in the division with a new head coach. They bring in Brent Pry. He was the defensive coordinator at Penn State, led a great defense at Penn State. They've got new quarterbacks that are battling. Both of them are, are new from last year. They have a good running back. Their defense, though, only had 16 sacks all season. Uh, that won't do it. They need to, to improve. And one of the things I think you can look at with improvement and quick improvement is on the defensive side of the ball. Bringing in Brent Pry, I think you'll see a defensive uptick. Their win total is set at six. Uh, your thoughts on Virginia Tech? I think they'll go over six just because of their schedule. Again, I don't think they're going to push for the conference, but looking at their schedule, I think they'll be over six. And um, big game of the year for them, I think, would be out of conference West Virginia. If they, that's one they need to win, and um, you know there'll be some rivalry there, I think that'd be a big game. I, I'm with you. I, I did think about that one as well. I put down two games: North Carolina and Pitt. They need to win one of those games um, in the in the division to get over. I picked over six wins as well. I see them as a seven or eight win team this year, um, but they have to win those guys that are above them. Beat beat at least one of those teams that's above them there in the division. Uh, another team with a new head coach is Virginia. They bring in Tony Elliott, the offense coordinator from Clemson. He, of course, knows the conference well, a different division in the conference. Uh, he's got a really good quarterback in Brennan Armstrong. I like Malik Cunningham in Louisville. He's been around for a while. Uh, he's a very solid quarterback. Actually, some people think he's the best quarterback in the ACC. Um, so there's opportunity there. They have good wide receivers. 
but they lost all five of their offensive linemen. So five new starters, and they brought in some transfers. That'll help. They've got some experience there, but they'll all be new together. Uh, the defense last year was last against the run in the ACC, so that has to improve quickly. I think Tony Elliott can do something special with the offense. I'm not sure what he can do with the defense, at least this year especially. Their win total is at seven. Where do you go with Virginia? Uh, again, you know, with the new coach from Clemson, I think that hopefully that will have them headed in the right direction. But this year I think I'd have to go under seven games is about kind of what I'm looking at. But um, I think I'll have to go under with Virginia again just when you look at their schedule. And a big game <coughs> – Excuse me, big game for them to go out of conference uh, with Illinois. Um, that'll be one again. You know, they would say they have to win. Of course, I kind of like Illinois, and um, yeah, that if they lose that one, you know, they're definitely in trouble for having a real good season. And um, that could be. A, I think that's going to be a big game for them, and they may not see that coming. When I look at the Coastal Division, I have marked down Miami, North Carolina. Virginia Tech, Georgia Tech, and Duke as all struggling on defense. That's the division minus Pitt. So I think Tony Elliott's going to be able to do enough to have a successful season. I like the number seven. I'll go over seven. I think seven is probably where it sits for Virginia, and I think that's a good year for Virginia. Um, but I that's where I've got them over seven. I've got the big game against North Carolina. Again, I think North Carolina is going to, is going to be in that same general area. And uh, but with defensive issues and things like that, if you can beat a North Carolina or a Pitt in your division, that's going to help you moving forward. So I picked North Carolina there. I looked at that Illinois game though as well, uh, but decided to go a different direction. Uh, let's go Georgia Tech. Jeff Collins make or break season for him as head coach. Uh, his non-conference schedule is Georgia, Ole Miss, and UCF. They've got an okay running back. They've got a horrible defense. This team does not look good. Three and a half is their win total. I go under three and a half for Georgia Tech. What about you on Georgia Tech? Yeah, I go under on that. Looks like, um, you know, they're in trouble from there. So I, I would go under three and a half. And uh, big game for them if they if they was going to surprise anybody. And, again, maybe where they this team wouldn't be ready for them. Being interesting would be the Ole Miss game. Um, you know, we talk about Ole Miss and the SEC. They could do very, very well. Uh, but if Georgia Tech was going to surprise anybody, um, to me, that could be a possibility. And they could get drubbed by Ole Miss. Uh, I would be shocked if they beat Ole Miss. But, hey, maybe maybe they do. Um, my game is Virginia. Again, I think Virginia is better than them. But it's, it's kind of when you're looking in division, teams you got to beat, they got to beat Duke because Duke's right there with them. But, I picked Virginia for that game. I felt like there wasn't any game on Georgia Tech's schedule that I go, yeah, that's one I'm going to tune in for. So, so uh, needless to say, not looking good, I don't think, for Georgia Tech. Uh, that brings us to Duke. They also got a new head coach. Mike Elko comes over, the defensive coordinator from A&M. Uh, last year, the offense averaged only 14.9 points per game. The defense gave up 46.6 points per game. Uh, including 218 rushing yards per game, that's going to take some time to fix. Uh, and even though he is a defensive-minded coach, it's not going to be a fast fix at Duke. Their numbers at three and a half. Also, 
I actually like what Duke is doing, but I think it's going to take time. So I'm going to go under uh, for Duke. And then I'm going to say their big game is on the road against Boston College, uh, their cross-division game this year in the ACC. What's your thoughts on the Blue Devils? Well, looking at their schedule, I really think they can go over. I don't think they'll have a great team, but they're playing teams that they can beat. And um, so I think they could get four wins. And in order to get that one, the big games uh, will be their Big Ten game with Northwestern. Um, they can beat Northwestern. They, they've got some other teams they have a good shot at beating. And I think that could give them at least four wins. All right. Who do you have winning the Coastal Division? Miami. I'm with you. I think, I think Pitt could surprise some people, but I have more confidence in Mario Cristobal than I do Caden Slovis. So, I'll go with Miami in the division as well. Um, let's go ahead and give our tiers for the ACC. Again, we've got four tiers. Tier number one is the national championship tier, teams that we think uh, could push for a national championship. Then it's our conference champion tier, teams that maybe aren't national champs but could push for the conference. And then our not this year tier, uh, which is teams that are on the rise and and at the very least not not the pits this year. Uh, the bottom of the barrel. I don't know why I say Pitts. I don't mean University of Pittsburgh. Uh, and then our last tier is the Vanderbilt tier, which basically means no hope uh, at all. So uh, who are your national champions, or who do you have in the tier for national champs? Well, I think Clemson is a team that would have a shot at it. And I think with their schedule, they could end up, you know, um, ranked pretty high. And um, so Clemson, that's the only one I think that's a national champion um, contender. Okay, well, I had two teams in that tier, Clemson and NC State. Again, I really like what NC State's doing this year, and I think that they could have a run and surprise some people and be at that. If they win the ACC, could have a shot to be in the playoffs as well, because I think if they win the ACC, they're a one-loss, possibly two-loss team, uh, which would probably kick them out of the playoffs. But I, I think that they have a shot at the very least, although I like Clemson more. How many teams do you have in your conference championship tier? I have four. I have NC State, Miami, Pitt, and Wake. All right. So I have Miami and Pitt. Uh, I do not have Wake in that category. Um, I just I'm down on Wake this year. So so I went Miami and Pitt, and then I had NC State in the above category uh, there. So um, and then your your middle tier, you're on the rise tier, you're not this year tier, whatever we want to call it. Uh, usually our largest tier of them all. Uh, who do you have there? That would be you have a largest one be North Carolina, Florida State, Virginia Tech, Louisville, Virginia, Boston College, and I probably have to put Duke in there, even though I don't think you know they're going to win, but I think they're headed up. I'm with you. Uh, so I've got North Carolina Tech, uh, Virginia Tech, Virginia, Wake Forest, Florida State, Louisville. Boston College and Duke all in that category. I've got two teams in the Vanderbilt tier. And if I heard you correctly, you also have two teams in the Vanderbilt tier. That's true. And I go to the same two teams, Georgia Tech and Syracuse. Yeah, I'm with y'all. I can't believe Duke made it out of the Vanderbilt tier for both of us. But they did. Uh, Georgia Tech, I, I I don't see anything positive coming there. Syracuse, kind of the same thing. I don't like what I'm seeing from those teams, and and I think it's going to be an ugly year for those guys. 
once they replace their coaches, maybe they get moved out of that tier. But until then, they sit in the Vanderbilt tier for the ACC. Um, I, I know one thing we're going to talk about a little bit next week with the two conferences we're doing, but I think the ACC is going to fit into that this year too, is going to be how much was affected by the discussion during the year of conference realignment. There are several teams in this conference that there's a lot of talk about they may go to a different conference and um, you know how, how will that affect things as it goes along this year. Would it affect things? I mean, I don't think the players, I don't think it really gets to them or even the coaches. You know, it might be more of a fan base issue, but I don't even know if it affects the fan base. I, I'm not sure that that would have much of a factor in how they play. Do you think it would? Um, I, I, it'll be interesting to see. It'd be interesting to see what kind of discussion there is. But, um, you know, the teams that are moving, um, you know, maybe not if it, it was looking that way, but some of the other teams, I don't know, it, it'll cause a little unrest, but you're right with the players and the coaches, it may not. And we'll have more discussion about that next week because we got teams that are definitely moving that are still in conferences. Yeah. Um, you know, what it could affect is the officiating. <laughs> the conference <laughs> pays the officials, so – you never know. There, we got to get some conspiracy theories in here. Yeah. Um, well, maybe when the announcement comes down that uh, Florida State and Clemson are going to the SEC, all of a sudden the ACC officials aren't very nice, uh, or that uh, Virginia or Virginia, North Carolina, and Duke are going to the Big Ten. Maybe the officials change change their kindness towards them. Uh, that'll be yet to be seen. Uh, let's talk about Notre Dame. Uh, they are not in the conference; they're independent, but they're one of the top top level teams, at least in the nation. So we'll break it down this way. Uh, new head coach, Marcus Freeman. I like what I've seen out of him so far. It looks like a good situation. They're happy for him. They got quarterback questions. They'll be trying to decide who's going to play quarterback for them. They've got a good offensive coordinator. Should be able to figure it out. Good running backs, solid O-line, and they should be pretty stout on D, but there has been a lot of turnover, a lot of change at Notre Dame this year, and their win total is, I think, low at eight and a half. Uh, so what are your thoughts on Notre Dame? Um, again, I, I in some ways, I kind of hope they do well because I think keeping a coach in-house was a good idea. We'll see how that works. Again, they have a pretty stout schedule. I mean, a lot of the games aren't, but they have enough top games. So if you said they're eight and a half, um, that, I'll have to go under because I think they got eight wins. They could easily get to nine. But um, eight and a half, I'd go under. I went over. Um, I don't think they are a 12-win team this year. But for their big game, I circled three, and it's the three big ones. Uh, They play Ohio State, Clemson, and USC. I just think they need to win one of those games. Again, I I don't put them at national champs this year, so I think a nine- or ten-win season is a success for them this year. But I think if they win one of those three games, they'll be they'll be successful. So uh, what about you for big game? Well, I don't think they'll win any of those three games. And I think the big one is their neutral site game against Brigham Young. Really? <laughs> um, okay. Yeah, fair enough. I think USC's a question mark. We'll get to them next week. Um, Ohio State, I don't think they win that one. I think Clemson and USC are possible wins. I like Clemson more than Notre Dame this year, but again, I'm high on the quarterback situation at Clemson. 
USC is a big question mark for me. So I, we'll see where that one shakes out. Uh, what tier do you put Notre Dame in? Uh, tier one is national champs. Tier two would be a step down from that. Tier three is not this year, uh, maybe some other year. They're on the rise or Vanderbilt tier. This year, I would put them on the second category. Um, you know, I, I don't think they'll be in a national championship hunt with the top four teams um, this year like they were, but um, I, they, they'd be right there in the next level. Yeah, that's exactly where I got them to. That tier two kind of situation, uh, I think they fit fittingly when we're talking about this conference. I think they're in that same category as Miami and Pitt. Um, so I kind of put them in that, that same general area as well. Um, I think they could have a surprisingly good year. I think the team really likes the hire of the new coach. Marcus Freeman has the support. I don't know that Brian Kelly had the love from the players the way that Freeman does. So they might be completely bought into what he's doing. They should have the talent. They're a school that's recruited well. So, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how it all shakes out. Could Notre Dame be a national champion contender? I wouldn't be totally surprised by it. Uh, but I think they're at that next level down and then give Freeman some time to build. Uh, he'll be right back there to win 10 wins because Brian Kelly – there's one thing Brian Kelly did. He won double-digit games, it seems like, every single year, even though he could never win the playoffs. Uh, but uh, nonetheless, uh, Fighting Irish will be uh, uh, summoning that Rudy spirit this year uh, to do their best to win some games uh, in the, as an independent. We'll ask the question again, Dad. When does Notre Dame join a conference, and which conference do they join? Um, again, I, they probably won't join now until after the year. It depends. I, I would think once the game starts that there, there wouldn't be a lot of movement of joining conferences during the season or at least early in the season. I still think the place that fits best for them is the Big Ten. Yeah. Yeah, I think they fit anywhere. Um, but I think it makes the most sense with just the other schools and everything there. The Big Ten makes the most sense for them as well. Uh, okay, a couple other topics I want to get to before we close out. I want to talk a little bit about golf. Uh, the Live Tour has hired uh, Flaherty away from PGA. He comes over, puts a name on a broadcast. They broadcast on YouTube still, as far as I know. They're trying to get a TV deal worked out. But now they bring in Flaherty, which is a, it's a pretty big get for the, the Live Tour, isn't it? I'm sorry? Isn't that a pretty big get for the Live Tour to get Flaherty? Yeah. Yes, it, it, it was. But like you said, I, I think now um, the gate is wide open. You know, they've gotten a lot of people. I think they're going to continue to get some more. But Faraday, yeah, that was a that, that's a big name as far as announcing is concerned. I don't know that it will draw a lot of people just to listen to it, but it gives them a lot of credibility, I think. And, um, yeah, I, I think that was definitely a, a big deal. Yeah, it makes it a legitimate broadcast uh, with a guy like that on there. And then Dan Patrick keeps talking that Charles Barkley is is the next guy on their list that they want to get, and whether or not they can get him and he can keep doing what he's doing at TNT or not is the big question mark. Money's not an issue at all with, with the Live Tour. Uh, Charles Barkley, would he draw eyes to the broadcast if he's on the broadcast team? Yes, he would because I think they would adapt to him where it would be, you know, a little more, um, you know, not, I don't know how to say it, not a serious golf. It'd be a little more entertainment value. I would think they would 
uh, tailor something to fit his personality. Um, I don't know that he is going to end up going because I think it's going to depend on his sponsors and his other jobs. If he, I don't know that he would leave to just do the live tour. Um, and depending on what his you know sponsors, uh, will he still keep the same you know commercial value and stuff like that? Um, I'm sure the money will be a lure. I, you know, we will see. Who knows? He may, he may sign up tomorrow, but it uh, looks like there's some hesitancy and, um, he may use it to get better deals from where he's at. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe so. <laughs> maybe, maybe so. Uh, let's talk a little baseball. The Reds game the other night against Toronto was a complete embarrassment. I mean, complete embarrassment. They lose 28-5. to This is not the first time this season that an outfielder lost the ball in the air. The ball goes flying over his head for an inside-the-park grand slam. They have another situation where a pop fly on the infield drops to the ground as three players could not communicate who was going to catch the ball. Uh, I watch a game like that, Dad. I know it's just one game, but I go, there's no way the Red Sox can win anything this year after a game like that, uh, does one game matter? Does do you see anything from that game and go, yeah, I, I count the Red Sox out, or do you just go at one game, really bad game, yes, but just one game? Um, I mean, it, it definitely was an embarrassment. Um, I think it's one game. I don't think they're going to win their division, um, but you know that probably hasn't been totally typical of their play all year. And uh, Toronto's, you know, since they've switched managers or got rid of their manager, definitely has started to rally a little bit there. And they obviously just got things rolling. Um, but, you know, we, we, we've commented on several things in baseball this year where some teams and some players just a real lack of concentration. Uh, it seems like as far as on baseball and on the game. And um, that's definitely what happened here. Yeah, it's... <laughs> <laughs> sad, needless to say, sad. And I'm not a Red Sox fan. I felt really, really bad. Um, Dad, we didn't talk about this pre-show, but uh, Pete Rose making an appearance for the first time since 1989 on a baseball field. Very soon, he'll be on the field with the 1980 Philadelphia Phillies team, uh, who are being celebrated for their national championship, their World Series championship, on August the seventh. And it's announced that Pete Rose will be on the field with the team. Um, so let's talk about that. Pete Rose back on in a baseball park, major league baseball park. Uh, good, bad, doesn't matter. Um, I don't think it matters, you know, in some ways, I think he was on the team and if they're honoring the team, I think that's fine. I think Philadelphia, you know, should be maybe a little wiser. If, if Pete Rose is there, then he's going to do something to draw attention to his situation um, with the Hall of Fame. And um, that could be a distraction, I think, to the whole celebration. But he was on the team, so I can see him being there. Yeah, and he didn't have his gambling issues um, until 85. So, I mean, it was before all that, too. So it makes sense. Pete Rose, should he be in the Hall of Fame? No. I think oh. they've I think they made the decision, and I don't think they, they, they there's a, a, a good reason to change that decision. I know you can look and say, well, look who else is in there and 
look what's happened. But I, I think with with his situation and where they were at, I think it would be an awfully big thing to change now and to be able to put him in just because of the way, you know, he's been kept out. And um, I don't think he will get in. And I think the general feeling part of it, to me, a little bit of it is, you know, some of his teammates at that time, I don't think they think he ought to get in. Um, and, you know, that that's kind of a big thing, I think, with me. So, I mean, I think he, stats-wise, deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. The gambling had nothing to affect his playing, uh, did not affect the outcome of any games. I think the lifetime ban was too serious. And I think that he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. The question is, is will they wait till he's dead to finally let him in the Hall of Fame? Uh, and maybe that's what they end up doing at some point down the road. Uh, but I, I think he should be in. Um, I also want to talk about this deal with Toronto. Unvaccinated players are not allowed to go into Canada. Uh, most recently, Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt from St. Louis uh, are not going to Toronto uh, to play. Uh, regular season, to me, not a big deal. But when you get to the playoffs, if you have to travel to Toronto and you got players that can't go – I mean, that seems like a pretty big deal, doesn't it? Yes, that'd be a real tough thing for the playoffs. Um, you know, for basically, I mean, you know, it wouldn't be real playoffs, I don't think, if a team was in it and then they had players that couldn't go to play at certain games. Um, I, I don't know if the situation will change before the playoffs. I don't know if there's anything uh, baseball can do about that. I know it's fair if Toronto gets in for them to host a game if they deserve it. But when it comes to a playoff situation, yeah, I, I don't think that's fair to have players that can't go. If you were a player that was unvaccinated and you make it to the playoffs and Toronto, you know you're going to face Toronto, would you get vaccinated? Uh, do you think that a player should get vaccinated so they can play, or do you think they should continue to not be vaccinated? Um, well, I, I think they've already made, you know, they have good reasons for not getting vaccinated. And I wouldn't think just the idea of a playoff game or a playoff series. Uh, no, I, I wouldn't change that. I would think I have enough serious reason to not get vaccinated um, from there. All right. Uh, quick look at the standings. The Yankees 12 and a half up on Toronto. Uh, Tampa is 13 games back. Boston now has fallen with five straight losses to 17 and a half games back. Um, and actually, Dad, Baltimore is within a half a game of Boston. Baltimore continued to win games. They've been looking pretty good uh, here as late. The Blue Jays, six straight wins. Uh, in the Central, Minnesota still leads. The Guardians are three games back. The White Sox, four games back. White Sox have won seven of their last ten. I said this on the Fantasy Baseball Show last week. White Sox win this division. Uh, who wins, do you think, the AL Central? Uh, I think you very well can be right about that. You know, we've talked about, I think the White Sox have the best team and the best players there. And if they've got things turned around, um, I, I would not be surprised um, if they would win it. Houston wins. That was not a very bold statement, by the way. Uh, <laughs> I said, White Sox are going to win. And you said you wouldn't be surprised if they won. That's so thank you. Uh, Houston, 13 games up on the Mariners, who went on a hot streak, but they've won. They've lost three straight now. Uh, they won seven of their last ten. 
Uh, Seattle seems to be, uh, well, we'll see if they keep losing, maybe not, but back on track to make the playoffs uh, right now above Boston uh, there in the American League. National League-wise, the fun race is still in the East. The Mets are a game up on the Braves. DeGrom is getting close to returning uh, there as well. Three straight losses for the Mets. Three straight losses for the Phillies, who are nine games back. Uh, I'll ask again, who wins the NL East? The Mets, the Braves, or somebody else? Um, The Braves. Uh, They're moving in the right direction, and I think, you know, they could win again. Again, the Mets have done well, but the Braves have caught them. So I, I would pick the Braves at this point. Milwaukee sweeps Colorado. They're two and a half games up on St. Louis. Uh, St. Louis lost their last game. Uh, they'll be in the hunt the whole way. Uh, the West, the Dodgers are now 11 games up on the Padres. They've won eight straight, the Dodgers have. The Padres, 11 games back. San Francisco falling the 16 and a half back. They've lost four straight now. Kind of had the wrong direction to the the 49ers. Do the Giants make the playoffs? Um, They have headed the wrong direction. I think there's enough time left that they can catch back up and maybe get in a wild card spot. But I don't know because Padres are playing real well too. And, of course, you got the Braves and – the, the Mets that are going to be tough from the wild card thing also. So um, Giants are probably in trouble, but again, they're over 500. And if they can win, you know, sweep a series or two, they'll be ready. They could get right back in it. Um, but they had trouble when they played San Diego and have had trouble with the Dodgers here. Yeah, they'll be battling St. Louis or Milwaukee for that wild card spot right now. Um, as at the moment, at least, the Padres. Uh, are clearly above them, and so are the Braves and the Mets as well. All right, we're winding winding through. we got the trade deadline coming up for Major League Baseball. We'll see if anything fun happens there with Juan Soto or anybody else, and we'll keep our eye on all other sports news as well. Dad, anything else you want to talk about before we uh, sign off today? Uh, no, uh, again, about my White Sox comment, basically I'm just not enough of a mainstream sports media guy to be able to be dogmatic with who's going to win. And then when I'm wrong, act like I never said that and uh, don't remember that. So um, I try to be a little more honest about how I think. <laughs> uh, one thing we do need to mention <laughs> Uh, on a little bit more of a serious note, Texans rookie wide receiver John Mechie diagnosed with a, a form of leukemia that is e- uh, normally easily treated and a success with as well. But it looks like he'll miss the whole season this year. Um, at the end of the day, the Texans weren't going to be a great team, so so it doesn't affect the Texans, I guess, a ton. Uh, but hate to hear that for John Mechie and uh, hope that everything goes smoothly with his uh, treatments and recovery and everything from there as well. All right. That's it for today's show. Make sure you go to intheclutch.com. Use the code SPORTSSTOVE. Get 10% off your purchase of any shirt that you buy. Uh, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at SportsStove. Tune in Tuesday night for a live local hour episode or catch the podcast wherever you get your podcasts on Wednesday morning. Thanks for tuning in to today's Sports Stove podcast. And until next time, we'll see you around the sports stove.